The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gildas Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. As president of the cancer support community, I'm, I'm acutely aware of the anxiety, stress, and sacrifice endured by caregivers of cancer patients. As an uh, organization, we have and continue to work very hard to shed light and, and greater awareness on the needs and challenges faced by caregivers. Uh, my friend Ivan Cronenfeld is a great fan of boxing and asked me if I knew the story of champion boxer Robert Guerrero and how he responded to his wife's cancer diagnosis. It's truly uh, an inspiring and astonishing story. I just want to tell you a little bit about uh, Robert and his wife, Casey. Uh, Robert's wife, Casey, began to feel ill in 2007, just at the time that Robert was preparing to defend his IBF featherweight title. She was initially diagnosed with a viral infection, but was not getting any better. Um, the night before Robert was scheduled to fly uh, to the fight, he and Casey went to have dinner uh, at her parents' home. And after dinner, Casey threw up and, and it became evident that something was really wrong. Uh, at Robert's insistence, they went to the emergency room where a blood test confirmed that Casey had cancer. Uh, she was diagnosed with leukemia. Robert wanted to cancel the fight, but Casey would not let him. So Robert changed his travel schedule, left the day before the fight, knocked out his opponent in 56 seconds into the first round. Um, afterwards, and this image is really seared into my mind, he leaned into the, the courtside camera and said, I love you, honey. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Casey started chemotherapy, and it worked for a while, but then it stopped working, and the cancer moved to her brain. In 2009, the doctors told Robert and Casey that her only chance uh, was with a bone marrow transplant. Unfortunately, neither of Casey's siblings was a match, so she had to sign up for the National Marrow Registry Program and hope that a match would be found. Finally, in 2010, a match was found in Germany. Uh, right before her surgery, Robert had been scheduled to defend his title, but instead he vacated his title, suspended his career. He put everything on hold to care for his wife and his two children. The transplant was performed. Casey was in isolation for a month, and within a few weeks, her blood count returned to normal. And about a month after that, she was able to go home. It was um, a long recuperation, but today Casey is, is cancer-free, and Robert is uh, is back to boxing. And I'm so pleased that, that Robert can join us today and share his story. Uh, a little later in the show, we will also be joined by Vicki Kennedy, Vice President of Program Development and Delivery for the Cancer Support Community, who will talk to us about different programs and resources available to support um, 
caregivers, but just a, a word about Robert as we bring him onto the show. Um, uh, Robert, the ghost, Guerrero is one of uh, boxing's uh, biggest stars. After winning numerous world titles across six divisions, the ghost, as he is known, is well on his way to accomplish his dream of becoming a, a boxing Hall of Famer. He was a natural phenom in the sport, winning a National Junior Olympic gold medal at age 15. And titles, His titles include the current interim WBC welterweight champion. He is also a former IBF uh, super featherweight world champion, a former uh, interim WBA and WBO lightweight champion, and a former two-time IBF featherweight champion. Uh, in May of last year, Robert uh, fought boxing's uh, number one ranked fighter, Floyd Mayweather. The bout was a Showtime pay-per-view hit seen by millions around the world. Together, Robert and his wife, Casey, work to bring awareness to the bone marrow registry in a quest to, to help save lives. Robert serves as an ambassador of hope for Be the Match, a nonprofit organization that connects patients with their donor match for a life-saving marrow or umbilical cord uh, blood transplant. Thank you so much, Robert, for joining the show today. Hi, Robert? Thanks for having <laughs> Thanks. me on. Awesome. Um, I got, I got caught into you reading the story. <laughs> I, it's, it's, it, you know what? It's, it's, an, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing story, and um, I just wanted folks to, you know, our listeners to have that, um, to have that background because it's really it's kind of, it's very uh, compelling. Um, uh, you know, Robert, I know that people tend to use you know, fight analogies when they talk about cancer, the battle against cancer, the war against cancer. Um, you know, as a professional boxer, did you approach caregiving the same as, as going into the ring for, for a title fight? Was this a fight for you and your family? I think, uh, you know, it, it's a lot more. I mean, it's a lot more uh, stress and a lot more, uh, a lot more work. So, um, you know, I, I think it, it, it kind of tops uh, going into the ring because uh, when I go into the ring, you know, I'm, I'm very well prepared what's going to happen in the ring and aware of what's going to happen. So, um, you know, once I'm in that ring, it's, it's, I have control of everything. You know, being a caregiver and, you know, being there by, by a cancer patient's side, I mean, you don't have no control of anything. And um, pretty much you're there to just support and comfort and, and do the best you can to, to, to be a great help and, and an asset to, to the fight. Yeah, you know that's a, a a a big thing that we hear and we talk about about the cancer experience is really that loss of, you know, that loss of control and 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 loss of hope and and, and a sense of of isolation. Um, you know, Robert, the American Cancer Society released a, a statistic that states that on average caregivers can spend up to eight hours a day providing care, um, you know, to a loved one. Uh, you know, what what did you do as a caregiver? How did you spend your time at the hospital? We know your wife was in the hospital a lot. How did you spend your time in the hospital? How did you spend your time with Casey? See, you know, when she was at home, but still not back on her feet with two very, very young kids. You know, what was that like for you? Um, it, was, it was brutal. It was brutal being back and forth. Um, you know, just uh, you know, being there by my wife's side, seeing somebody uh, you know you love, you know, suffering and battling through, being sick, and, and you know, just trying to comfort. Uh, you know, it, it was very tough. It was very tough, and then also having two young uh, children. Uh, you know, it, it was hard. You know, it, it was pretty much a, a juggling act to, to be able to be there for the kids and let them know you're there and, and also to talking to them and letting them know what's going on with mom and, and the wife she is in home. And, you know, it, it's a tough situation and, um, you know, you just got to do the best you can and, and stay strong and stay positive and stay focused. And, um, you know, that's one thing that, that I love about being a fighter is, is having that, that mental, that mental strength and that mental focus to, to, you know, to overcome it and, and be able to just just go, and um, you know, it helped out a lot. It helped out a lot, and uh, I mean, it, it it was it was probably 
probably the toughest time of uh, of the family's life, not just myself, but the whole family. Yeah, uh, y- you know, I I um I remember I had a father on the show w- w- once and, and talking about the the challenges of taking care of you know young kids while his wife was uh, was uh, in, in treatment and and uh, you know he was worried he was worried about trying to figure out how to make sure he was braiding his daughter's pigtails uh, uh, correctly and he said you know it's something I never. I never thought about it. Something that the mom, my my wife, always did, and something I never thought I would have to do or or or, uh, or have to have to think about. Um, how old were your kids, Robert, when your wife was, um, you know, was diagnosed, and and uh, what kind of things did you have to take on in in their care? Um, well, my son Robert was eighteen months when uh, when my wife got sick, mm-hmm. and then uh, my daughter Savannah was uh, she was going on three years old. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it's tough, you know, them being aware, you know, being so attached to mom because um, in, in my line of work, being a professional fighter, I would leave to training camps for months at a time and I would be gone training. So they were always real attached to, to mom and, um, you know, with her every day. And, and then, you know, to see her not there and I'd be able to, to, you know, be there, put them to bed or anything. And, you know, I had to take up all that slack that, that um, you know, that whole load that Casey used to carry. So, um, you know, it was it was kind of a it was a it was a tough uh, transition for them at the time, and um, you know, it, it it it's a tough situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think that um, uh, you know we oftentimes do think of the woman, you know, in, in you know in the caregiver role, caring for the children, caring for aging parents. Um, you know, and and uh, you know, I I I love I love the pictures uh, pictures on your website. Some of those shots of you in the ring. I mean, you know, pretty strong guy, pretty you know, pretty tough guy. And suddenly, you know, you find yourself having to you know change diapers and read lullabies and <laughs> and then yeah. you know books and you know and, and and things like that. Do you think that men have a you know a different set of challenges when they step into the caregiver role? I mean, especially I mean, you talked about your you know your training schedule being away at camp and and you know suddenly you're thrown into these, uh, you know, roles and kind of, you know, the whole routine of your family was, was disrupted by this diagnosis. Do you think it's, do you think it's different for men? Oh, totally different. Um, once I started caregiving, uh, I have a whole outlook on being a mother. Uh, <laughs> just, just seeing how tough it is. I mean, the daily things you do all day. I mean, it, it like, like I, I told, uh, I told my wife, I go, I'd rather be in the gym training hard, taking punches, than doing what you do. I mean, just having to get the kids ready, combing, combing hair and making sure they take the bath and washing clothes, making sure they're eating on time, taking them to school or daycare, picking them up, dropping them off. I mean, it's just so much work. I mean, um, I say us, us men that have a great wife, it, you know, it really is a, a, a privilege. So, um, yeah, it, it, it is. It's a tough job, and, and I have a whole different outlook on mothers because it, it is. It is tough, and like I said, I would rather be in the gym training and, and um, working hard and sparring and taking punches than than doing that whole, you know, that whole process of, of just taking care of the whole household. I mean, it, it is a real rough job. So, I always tell my wife, man. I got it made when you're home. 
<laughs> well, I, I, I don't know. Maybe we're maybe we're we're making some uh, making some news today. You know, quote from from Robert Guerrero: "I'd rather be in the gym getting the crap kicked out of me. <laughs> it's a much yeah. tougher job doing that than being at home raising two kids." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. So I mean, it, it really it really changed my whole outlook of of um, you know how strong how strong women are. You know, being a mother, being a parent, and, and taking care of everything. And um, man, it. it you know, it made me uh, realize, like, hey, you know what? I got to step up my game and help out a lot more because it is really tough for them at home. And, you know, yeah. you don't realize it until you get put into that position and, and you have to fill those shoes. Well, it's it's uh, it's, uh, it's it's great to to hear that, and I think eye opening for a lot of folks. We've only got a quick a uh, quick minute here to the break, Robert. But I've got to ask you um, how you got the nickname the Ghost. That intrigues me. Um, I got the nickname the Ghost when I was nine years old, being in the gym. Uh, I had a I had a few coaches watching me spar with other kids, and um, I was just so fast in the ring. Um, move, my movements were so fast. When I, when the kid would punch, I would be out of the way and gone off to the side, and I would punch them and then move so fast where one of the coaches was like, wow, he's like a ghost. He's there. He's not there. He's hitting you on the side, and he's gone. He disappears. And then they just it stuck ever since they started calling me the ghost, and here I am today as the ghost still. So how so how old were you when you when you started boxing? Were you actually boxing in a gym when you were a kid? Uh, I actually started boxing when I was nine years old, and nine. Uh, I mean I've I've done that my whole life pretty much. Is is just been in the gym boxing in and out. And that was in that was in California. Yes, that was in California. Wow, nine years old. That's that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, that's a it's a it's a great story. Uh, we're we're going to take take a quick break here. This is frankly speaking about cancer. Uh, we're we're talking today about uh, caregiving in cancer and um, what it takes to be uh, a caregiver. We've got uh, world champion boxer Robert Guerrero with us, who says that it's a uh, it's uh, maybe the hardest job around there is being a caregiver and and uh, you know even harder than 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 uh, boxing and being in the gym and the intense training uh that he goes through caring for his wife caring for his uh uh caring for his children and we're going to talk a little bit later in the show with uh Vicky Kennedy about uh things that uh, if you are a caregiver listening today some strategies for taking care of yourself because uh it's critical that caregivers do um do get the care and support that they need so that they can be the best caregivers that they can be uh for their loved ones and sometimes we know that caregivers find it hard to take the time uh to get the care and support that they need. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're going to take a quick break here. Don't go away. We will be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts, and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. 
To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Celgene and Azi. I'm Kim Tibaldo, and today we're getting some deep and meaningful insights about caregiving from six-time world champion boxer Robert Guerrero. Robert is also the 2013 Ambassador of Hope for Be the Match, a nonprofit organization dedicated to connecting patients with their donor match for life-saving marrow or umbilical cord blood transplant. Later in the show, we'll be joined by Vicki Kennedy, Vice President of Program Development and Delivery for the Cancer Support Community. In 2007, Robert's wife, Casey, was diagnosed with leukemia. She went into remission but then uh, relapsed three times over the next three years. In 2010, Robert and Casey were informed that she would need a bone marrow transplant. As none of her siblings was a match, Casey had to register with the National Marrow Registry Program. Eventually, a match was found in Germany. I'm happy to report that Casey is now cancer-free and Robert is back to boxing. Uh, During this period, Robert initially scaled back his training turned down three major championships and eventually vacated his title, stepping away from boxing to take care of his uh, wife and two young children, which he has uh, shared with us was the the hardest job uh, of his life. Um, We we did a study a few years ago at the cancer support community about the cost of care um, uh, on a cancer patient and and, uh, on the caregiver on the family, the impact, uh, cost impact of a cancer diagnosis and the level of anxiety experienced was through the roof. Respondents uh, reported levels of post-traumatic stress similar to what survivors of Hurricane Katrina experienced, and in some instances greater than those who witnessed and and were present in lower Manhattan during 9-11. So we know that the the traumatic uh, uh, impact and the uh, emotional impact can be just devastating, as well as the the financial impact. Uh, You know, Robert, you're, you're an athlete. You're a young athlete. We all know that there are a finite number of years when an athlete can compete and, and even a narrower window when they peak. Um, in terms of your boxing career, in terms of earning potential, how big of a risk was it for you to step out of the game, and, and what was that impact like for your family? Um, just a step away from boxing, um, you know, especially going through everything, you know, hospital bills, 
um, you know, the household bills, everything that, that comes with it, uh, you know, it was a huge impact, uh, not just financially, but in my career, uh, you know, walking away from, from, you know, dropping my world championship, um, you know, stepping away from a big, big major HBO main event fight. Um, the media was going crazy. They pretty much, when a fighter does that, it's like career suicide. Um, you know, to cancel a big fight where they put millions of dollars into to build it up and advertisements and just everything that comes along with, with doing a big fight, negotiations, lawyer fees, just so much that's involved. Um, you know, probably eight times out of ten, a network wouldn't want to work with you again because they don't have the faith that you're going to, you know, fulfill, you know, the commitment to what they're putting out. So, um, you know, it was a big risk and a big gamble, but um, like uh, me and my management and my father who trains me, you know, we all sat down and said, you know what, you know, whatever happens, happens, but this is more important. This fight, we really need to, to focus in on with Casey and and her getting healthy, which, um, you know, if I ever come back to boxing, I come back. If not, oh, well, it doesn't matter. As long as uh, my wife is healthy and, and and she gets through this, that's all that matters. So um, we just pretty much vacated all the titles, stepped away from boxing, made the announcement to HBO that we're not going to go through with the fight. And um, it, it was, it was, you know, it turned out, it turned out great at the end, uh, but it was very, very tough to, to do that. Um, you know, especially something that I've worked for my whole life to get to a point. Um, but, you know, you have to do what you have to do when it comes to your family and being a caregiver. And the most important thing to me was just being by my wife's side and, and comforting her and knowing that she knows that I'm there for her and nothing and, and nothing else where boxing or anything else does not matter. Were there people around you, Robert, who tried to convince you otherwise? Were there people around you who said, hey, man, you know, you're crazy. This is it. You're putting your career into the toilet and, you know, you have one chance. And if you walk away, this is it for you. Um. You know, the media was, was really, really, really digging into me about it. Um, but as far as, as far as my, um, you know, my management team, um, you know, my trainers, everybody that, that is with me, that's been with me since day one, um, they were just like, that's the best decision we can possibly make is, is stepping away from boxing because we're a real tight team and pretty much we're, we're like a family. So, um you know, there, there was no, there was, there was no uh, thinking twice about anything. They were just like, hey, you know what? We're pulling out, and that's it. No questions asked. Yeah. Well, that that that's you know nice to hear. And you obviously had some, you know, close people around you who really understood the situation and 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 understood you know the the choices and the priorities that you were putting forward. Um, where are you now in your career, Robert? What's happening? Uh, right now in my career, I'm, I'm you know. I'm one of the top fighters in the world, one of the top top 15 fighters in the world, and, um, you know, came back strong. I came back strong. Won, I won uh, three world championships after that. Um, the, one, the one awesome thing was um, the guy that runs HBO Boxing and HBO Pay-Per-View, yeah. he also was a caregiver for a, mm. a kid that he was mentoring who unfortunately passed away. Um, you know, during a transplant. And when the story went out 
of everything we were going through, what Casey was going through, the side effects and everything, it really, really, um, really tugged on his heart. And, um, you know, after that, he, he gave me a call and he's like, wow, Robert, just hearing the story, reading about it, it really brought me back to, to when, when I was a caregiver for this young man and he started telling me the story and, um, you know, it, it, it truly is amazing, uh, um, you know, when people hear the story and how many people have gone through the same situation, which you would never know that have gone through it. And, um, you know, by him he- hearing the story, he was just like, wow, wow. And, um, you know, I was right back there again on HBO and, um, you know, fighting. Um, man, it, and for for one of the main CEOs from HBO tell me, hey, you know what? I commend yeah. you for doing what you did. Yeah. Not very many people would do that. Um, you know, it made me feel like a champion just hearing that. Wow. Wow. That's a great that's a great story. Um, I want to make sure we have time, Robert, to talk for a minute or two about Be the Match. I know you recently co hosted a Marrow Drive and the goal was to help save lives by adding people of all backgrounds and, and races to the Be the Match uh registry. Can you tell us for just a minute about the registry and your kind of quest to help as many people as possible with diseases like leukemia, lymphoma, sickle cell anemia? Um yeah, be the match, and then, you know it's the largest. Uh, they have a, uh, they have uh, the largest database, and uh, you know for bone marrow donors, and um, you know my wife being uh, being on that list and, and being able to get a donor, um, it, it was amazing. It was amazing to hear that those words. We found a match. I mean, it was it was awesome. So, um, you know, we we do me, Casey, and I do everything we can to to push to get more people on the list because the more the merrier. The more people there is, the more lives can be saved. And um, so we do whatever we can and, uh, you know, to get people on there. And a lot of people, they hear bone marrow and, and they think, oh, man, they're going to drill into my hips, suck everything out. And there's so many different procedures now that where it's smooth, um, you know, it's not it's not really rough for, for the patient. And, um, you know, so we try to bring awareness to that and, and how the process is done of, of getting a bone marrow transplant and, um, you know, we just try to shed as much light as we can on that and, and get as many people as we can on that list. Um, so uh, it, it is uh, it is our lifelong goal is to to get people on that list. So, uh, you know, putting these fundraisers together, uh, you know, especially being in the position that I'm in, uh, a young fighter, um, you know, on top of the boxing world, you know, be able to strike while the iron's hot and, and not wait around. So that's what we do. And, uh, I mean, it, it, it's great to see when people come out and, and get that swab in their cheek and, and get onto that registry. You know, Robert, um, we, you know, may very well have some folks listening today as we sort of get to our, our uh, next break here. We may have some folks listening today who uh, may have a loved one who's just been diagnosed with cancer. They're, you know, about to face, uh, you know, what you were facing and, and, uh, and, and what you've been through. Uh, what advice, Robert, do you have for folks listening who are uh, caregivers? What, you know, what do they need to know and, and understand about being a caregiver? What do you wish you had known or what insights do you wish you had had back then when your wife was diagnosed? Um, you know, as much research as you can. Learn as much as you can, you know, being a caregiver. Learn what you got to do to comfort, comfort, uh, you know, your loved one. And, um, you know, take time for yourself also. You know, you got to have that time for yourself to, to be able to relax and, and, and relieve stress because it is a stressful job. And, and being a caregiver, it's tough 
and, um, you know, it's emotional, especially with your loved ones. So, um, you know, what I would do is I would, I would take a good hour of my day and do what I love to do the most, and that's boxing. Yeah. So I would yeah. go to the gym and just let it all out in the gym, hit the bags, and just do a full workout as hard as I can and just clear my mind and um, get into my comfort zone and then, you know, come back revived and come back with a smile and always positive and, and, and you know, making them feel happy and comfortable throughout the whole process. So that that's one of the biggest things that, that I... I used to bring to the table with, with Casey was having that positive attitude and always upbeat and always, you know, trying to cheer her up and keep her strong. Um, you know, she is a strong woman and she, she never backed down, not even once. So it, it kind of made it a little bit easier for me to, uh, to, to, you know, push her along. She's a, she's a fighter too, huh? She's the real fighter in the family. <laughs> Good for you. That's 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 great, and we're we're so glad, Robert, that she's doing well. We're so glad that you're um, back in the ring, setting new records, and and uh, you know out there on the on the uh, international stage. Um, this is frankly speaking about cancer. We're talking about uh, caring for uh, caregivers today. We've had the great pleasure and honor of speaking with uh, world champion boxer Robert Guerrero about his family's experience with cancer, his role as a caregiver for his wife, Casey, and caring for their two young children during uh, her cancer experience, and happy to report that uh, that she is doing well, and Robert is uh, back in the ring setting some new records. So, Robert, we thank you very much uh, for joining us today, for sharing uh, your story. We're going to take a quick break uh, right now, and we'll be back uh, in a moment with, uh, with Vicki Kennedy. But thank you, Robert, for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. It was an honor to, to share the story with everybody around the world. And, uh, you know, God bless you. Stay strong and stay on it. All right. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Genentech and Morphotech. I'm Kim Tebaldo, and today we're talking about the challenges of caregiving. Uh, we are now joined by Vicki Kennedy, Vice President of Program Development and Delivery for the Cancer Support Community. Uh, in that role for the Cancer Support Community, Vicki is responsible for the development, deliver, uh, uh, delivery, and quality assurance of CSC's clinical programs worldwide. An oncology social worker for the past 29 years, she has dedicated her career to ensuring that people touched by cancer have awareness of and access to evidence-based psychosocial care. Uh, Vicki has served as co-founder and first executive director of the Cancer Support Community in Central Indiana, a psycho-oncology researcher at the Walter Institute in Indianapolis, and staff social worker of the IU Cancer Center in Bone Marrow Transplant and Hematology. Vicki is a past president of the Association of Oncology Social Work and has published numerous articles, co-authored patient education materials, and provided many professional and lay presentations on cancer survivorship. She was awarded the Association of Oncology Social Work's 2011 Quality of Life in Cancer Care Award, as well as the Central Indiana's 2011 Women of Wellness Award for extraordinary contributions towards bettering the lives of people affected by cancer and tirelessly advancing the mission of our organization, the Cancer Support Community. Welcome, Vicki. Great. Thanks. So glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, Vicki, you've been in the field for a long time. Robert um, talked to us about his decision to um, stop working to care for his family and, and uh, you know, at, at, uh, at potentially great risk to his uh, career. Um, last year when uh, New York Times columnist and Emmy winner Suleika Juad was on our show, she talked about her mother taking a year off to uh, off of work to help her physically and emotionally, but also to manage the various uh, financial, medical, insurance-related tasks resulting from her um, her cancer treatment. Um, Vicki, in your experience over these, you know, 20, 30 years uh, in the field, has the role of caregiver changed from what it was 20 or 30 years ago? And what kind of trends are we seeing in, in cancer caregiving today? Well, you know, I think that's really interesting because it's kind of yes and no, right? In some ways, uh, much of like Robert talked about, um, there there is an increasing demand to be more involved, to be uh, taking, providing more physical care for the person, being there for their emotional support, and uh, a lot more expectations that they may be providing more of that care at home. And yet what probably hasn't changed in 20, 30 years is that that deep um, commitment, that kind of, or those powerful emotions that accompany, you know, really caring for someone, watching someone you love um, who's going through a difficult illness. So I think um, it's still emotionally draining that it's always been. It's always had its challenges. But I think we're seeing more and more the medical care is shifting to the caregiver to do more, uh, to take on more responsibilities, and that is changing. That I've seen a big change in that in the la- even in the last five to ten years, uh, where we're asking caregivers to do more and more of the actual physical care of the person with cancer. You know, I. Um... Uh, you know, I, I mentioned earlier in the show that we oftentimes think as sort of the woman in the in the caregiver role, right? As as you know, as mother, as as nurse, as as uh, as, as you know, caring for aging or elderly parents, and it's it's becoming, I think, more and more of a stereotype. And I, I you know, I love. Um, 
I mean, if, when you, you look at Robert's website, I mean, he is a mean-looking dude in some of these pictures, you know, in the boxing <laughs> ring. And and um, I just, I think it's amazing, the image of this tough guy, this, you know, world champion boxer, you know, the image of him caring for his wife, the image of him caring, you know, for these two small children, brushing his daughter's hair, you know, you know, reading bedtime stories, changing the baby's diaper. I mean, you know, it's amazing to think about that shifting role, particularly of men, you know, perhaps emerging more in that caregiver role. I don't know if there's any data or statistics on the split of, you know, is it more women than men? What do we know formally or, or, uh, or informally? But it's interesting, Vicki, isn't it, to think about this kind of tough guy at the peak of his career stepping away. <laughs> you know, into that role. It is. It really is. It's it's a powerful image and also, I think, an inspiring one. Uh, I think a lot of times men are, you know, they're, 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 they're scared of taking that, that leap of, of all of that new responsibility, and yet look, look how beautifully Robert did, and it's kind of, I think, it's inspiring to other men. The date is really interesting. The, um, there was a, a very large study done through the National Alliance for Caregiving and AARP that looked at caregiving across the United States in 2009. And what they saw then were it depends on the age group. So younger age group between like 18 to 15-year-olds, it's pretty split, male-female caregivers. There's, you know, where, uh, again, as you look at people with younger that uh, have cancer at a younger age or um, other illnesses, so this wasn't just cancer, that about half and half were male versus female caregivers. Where we start to see the shift is with older patients. Uh, in the older population, it is predominantly more female caregivers um, who are providing that care, and yet something close to one-third of people in the United States are taking care of two or more people. Um, and I thought it was interesting, the average age of a female caregiver was 48 years old, and I was kind of mm. surprised by that. I thought it might have been older. Yeah. Yeah, I, and yeah, and I mean, you look at this guy, young guy, you know, Robert, yeah. just like thrust into suddenly being a caregiver for three people, and it was unimaginable. It seemed to mm-hmm. him, for sure. Yeah, it, really, very powerful. Let's let's just talk for a minute, uh, uh, Vicky, about you know, we 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 oftentimes hear stories from patients who say to us, I really had no idea how, how much pressure um, my, my loved one, my caregiver, was under because they kept it all inside. You know, when you're the patient, you can say, I'm tired, I'm not going to work today, I'm scared, I'm, you know, I need this, I need that. But when you're the caregiver, you don't have that luxury. You've got to keep going. You've got to get up, get out of bed, take care of the family, go to work and do all, do all of those things. And sometimes I think we see caregivers getting, getting to, the, um, to the breaking point and they feel kind of guilty doing anything to take care of to take care of themselves but yet they sometimes get to a point where they really really fall apart what what advice Vicky can you give to caregivers listening today about how you need to take care of yourself and it's not a selfish thing to do to say I need help I need you know Robert said he every day he went for an hour into the, you know to the gym to box because that's what he loved and that kind of kept him centered and kept him sane how do, how do we talk to folks about that Oh, I think that's such a a good point, Kim, because, you know, when we think about the energy it takes to be strong, to feel positive all the time, whether you're a patient or a caregiver, that's really difficult, and it it takes a toll, and I think caregivers who um, who do just go 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 and have to balance all of those things with take without taking time for themselves. As Robert said, that one hour a day that he went to the gym to box, 
I think um, it's really critical that caregivers can take some time. Uh, they may not be able to, you know, get a true vacation, if you will, from from the, the the cancer experience, but if they can have moments to themselves that are important to them. You know, if it's a matter of uh, just that, that one day a week you wanted to have lunch with a friend uh, or to go to a, a class or to sit or to just go for a walk through the neighborhood, those little things can make a difference for a caregiver's mental health and for their physical well-being as, as well. Yeah, I think it's, you know, important to uh, emphasize, Vicki, certainly in our organization at Cancer Support Community, all of the programs that we offer, the support groups, the educational seminars, the nutrition programs, the exercise programs, those programs are available not just to the patient but to the caregiver. And even, in fact, in some instances, we have caregivers who come for the programs and the patient, you know, the patient doesn't come. Um, what kinds of support and care resources are out there for caregivers? We want to make sure folks know you know, today what they can do to access some of the services that are available? Well, I definitely think, certainly through the cancer support community, through our our nationwide network, we have access to free of charge uh, all of those programs you listed, uh, support groups, educational workshops, stress reduction programs such as yoga and tai chi, art classes, a variety of ways that you can access those services. And, if, and we also have uh, services online and, the te- and through the telephone, through a can- our cancer support helpline, where you can reach out and just have someone to talk to, just to kind of be able to share some of those those scariest thoughts, some of those most difficult things about caring for a loved one uh, who's facing, and particularly the in advanced cancer, I think that can be really difficult. So we have all of those programs. And if there isn't a cancer support community in your area, there may be other programs that are available through other organizations uh, and or through a church or, or faith-based group. There are many ways uh, that we can help you to find some resources and support locally uh, that, that might be helpful to kind of, you know, again, reduce that stress that caregiving brings into your life so that you can, you can be healthier and you can kind of, uh, as Robert mentioned, kind of being coming back refreshed, uh, being able to kind of walk back into that hospital room because he took that break to go out and take care of himself. Uh, Vicki, I know that the um, we, we've we've just got a couple minutes to our break here, but I know that the um, all of the counselors um, on our helpline certainly are aware of um, you know not only uh, obviously the resources available through cancer support community, but are aware of a of a host of resources across the country. Whether you're looking for a support group, if you're looking for uh, financial assistance, you're looking for educational information. You just want to take this last minute or so to maybe just mention the helpline and how folks can, can get connected into the helpline and what kinds of services are there? Sure, yes. I mean, I think that the cancer support helpline, we have licensed mental health professionals who also have access to a database with, with thousands of resources across the country. They can help you find uh, resources that are both local national or regional in your area. They're wonderful, uh, many of them oncology social workers with years of experience. And we have, uh, they have um, ongoing conversations with caregivers 
um, who set up even a weekly time just to touch base for 15 or 30 minutes just to see how you're doing. That number is 888-793-9355, and they are there willing and ready to help. Um, And if nothing else, just to touch base uh, on occasion to find out, you know, just to relieve a little bit of that distress and get some support along the way. Yeah, no, I think it's important for folks to know. Sometimes folks don't even know where to start, where to turn for, uh, for these resources. And, um, you know, again, we've got these social workers and, and other uh, professionals uh, manning that line at 888-793-9355 to help with, uh, with those kinds of questions that folks may have. And, and you can also visit our website at cancersupportcommunity.org. Uh, um, we're going to take a quick break here. We've got lots more uh, to talk about uh, in terms of caring for the caregivers and other resources that we want to share with you. So please don't go away. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts, and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Millennium and Amgen. Uh, I'm Kim Tebaldo. We're talking about uh, cancer caregivers. Uh, earlier in the show, we had a great conversation um, with a champion, world champion boxer Robert Guerrero. Uh, he talked about his wife's uh, cancer diagnosis and how he left the ring and left fighting to care for his wife and care for his children. And we're happy to share today that his wife, Casey, is doing well. And uh, Robert is back in the game, back in the ring, and, and uh, setting new records uh, in, in, in the boxing world. Um, Vicki Kennedy, Vice President of Program Development and Delivery for the Cancer Support Community, has been sharing with us uh, how to care for the caregiver, how to take care of yourself if you are a caregiver, and some of the resources that are available to you. And we want 
folks listening today to know if you are a caregiver, you've got to take care of yourself. Um, it is not a selfish thing to do to step away and, and uh, go get some exercise, uh, visit with a friend, go to a movie, do the things uh, that you need to do to stay balanced, to take care of yourself so that you can be the best caregiver that you can be for your loved one. Um, we know, Vicki, that, that caregivers experience emotional uh, pressures and obviously also in the family often financial uh, financial uh, pressures but but what do we know about actual physical uh, health issues are, are is there a um, you know a physical impact on the caregiver are they less healthy let's say than, than the general population oh there you know there is a increasing amount of in, in research that's really targeting in on understanding the caregiver experience. And and there is data that shows that caregivers can experience sleep problems, changes in their physical health, even immune function can be affected uh, by caring for someone with a serious illness. And we also know the financial impact can be great on someone caring uh, for a loved one. So what we're, what we're really noticing, though, is, is this concern about health, physical health. Um, and, and we're seeing, it in, you know, particularly with our aging population, many caregivers are, are older Americans. They're seniors who have other physical health problems. They may also have heart disease or cancer themselves, and they're loving and caring for someone with cancer. So we're seeing a, a lot of concern about caregivers' health. And it's really important that caregivers are keeping those doctor's appointments. You know, it'd be really easy to say, oh, I just can't get to my doctor's appointment this month. I'm going to put it off a couple months until Mary's doing better. Um, and the reality is, is that those physical health, those symptoms, those um, ongoing um, health issues need to be addressed and need to be taken care of throughout the throughout the experience of caring for someone else with cancer. We just can't put it off, you know, that the importance of our physical health while we're caring for someone else. Um, you know, I think it's great, uh, uh, great advice, Vicki, and I know that we advocate for caregivers really taking breaks and finding ways to care about themselves, and I, I know sometimes we hear from caregivers, you know, my God, my loved one's sick and suffering and going through treatment, and, and, and you know, you're telling me well, I, should, I should go take a walk, go to the gym, go to the movies, have lunch with a girlfriend. I mean, are you kidding me? Uh, you know, I, I can't take the time to do that. It would be wrong for me to take the time to do that. What do you say to that, Vicki? Oh, I say it's wrong for you not to take the time for that because your loved one really depends on you being able to be there for them uh, when they need you the most. And so I think by by taking those little breaks, and again, I think, you know, it's it's, it's easy, kind of easier said than done, right, for all of us to say that. Um, but it, and there may be some days that you can't take that break. But I think there are often people around. There's a whole network of support around you who wants to help. Um, and so it's, it's, it's so important to be able to say when you've had enough, don't let it get to that breaking point to where you fall apart, either emotionally or physically, and you become unable to do the things that you wanted to do for that, that person that you're caring for. So, you know, those breaks are critical. Um, whatever, whatever that means to you, you know, as we've kind of mentioned earlier, not all of us can go to the gym and box for an hour, uh, right? And, and, and many people are working uh, full time while they're also caring for a loved one. Uh, so I think it's important to just find those little moments uh, that are just for yourself and that refresh and rejuvenate you. Maybe even making a list 
what is it that's important for me to be able to do for myself each day? Uh, I had a, a, a we were ta- had a caregiver in one of our support groups that said the most important thing for her was to get her shower every morning before her busy day started caring for her husband who had advanced cancer. And she and you know when you think about it, you think, well, gosh, how hard is that? But it was very difficult, and it, and it took her discipline and her saying, I'm going to do this because this is for me, and something that simple made a difference in her day. Hey, you know, Vicki, I know a lot of times folks call us and say, um, uh, my, uh, you know, my, my friend was diagnosed with cancer, my neighbor was diagnosed with cancer, um, you know, I don't know, I don't know quite what to do for them, I don't know quite what to do for the family, but it sounds like, you know, even though small things can make a difference, hey, can I uh, come and, you know, can I pick up your kids from school once a week, or could I bring dinner over one night, or, you know, could I come and visit with your, you know, sit with your husband while you go and, and, and do X, Y, or Z, or, um, you know, I, it, it seems like those might be, you know, good ways for you as a, a friend or a neighbor or a coworker to maybe care for the caregiver, help support the caregiver? Oh, absolutely. I think that, you know, and, some, and sometimes we shouldn't even ask, right? We shouldn't say, um, a lot of times people say, well, how can I help? Right. Well, you know, that's, that's a, you know, it's so hard then to come up with, well, generally most people are going to say, you know, we're doing okay. That's all right. You know, you, you don't really want to have yeah. that list of things. But if you call someone and you say, not, can I pick the kids up from school this week? But what day could I pick the kids up from school that would be most helpful for you? Um, yeah. or, or instead of, you know, how can I help? Gee, show up and cut the grass uh, today for them uh, or, or stop at the store and pick up some things or offer to drive. You know, when you think about particularly people uh, going for like radiation therapy yeah. or going on a daily basis for weeks at a time, call yeah. up and say, um, I'm free on Wednesday and Friday this week. I'd love to drive Bob to, to therapy. Is that okay? Right. And right. just offer and be very proactive so they don't have to think and feel yeah. uh, hesitant to accept to, your offer. To take of advantage support. of that, yeah. And yeah. Be specific, sounds like be specific, too, with mm-hmm. what, you're, what you can do. Um, no, I think, that, I think that's good advice. I think those are all, uh, you know, great tips as we think about, uh, you know, different strategies and ways to, um, to care for the caregiver. Sometimes, sometimes we overthink these things, and it is the small and, and, and simple things. Um, you know, folks say, I don't know what to do. And, you know, I, I think a lot of times we tell them, well, just do something. <laughs> you know, yeah. just do something. Don't overthink it and just do something. Because we do hear people say, I was, I was as surprised by who didn't show up as I was by who did show up, you know, in, right. in, uh, in that experience. So um, lots of ways that you can support those, uh, you know, those around you going through this experience. Um, I, I feel like we could continue to talk on this topic for uh, for, for a long time because there's so many issues, but we do want folks to be aware of the resources that are available uh, to them. Uh, so if, if you are listening today, if you are a caregiver or you know of a caregiver who needs some help and support and resources, um, you know, please let them know that, that here at the Cancer Support Community, we've got a host of resources. We've got um, 100 locations around the country where we're doing support groups educational programs, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction for people with cancer, but also for those caregivers um, who are out there and need that support. And many of our centers actually have a patient support group and a caregiver support group going on at the same time so that you can come together if that's uh, what you uh, what you choose to do and, and, you know, maybe don't need to be away from your loved one. You can come to our programs together. Um, visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. Uh, you can see all of our programs. You can see a list of our, our, our wonderful centers around the country. You 
can also call us. As Vicki said, we have a helpline staffed by trained licensed counselors, um, and they are available to you. You could pick up the phone and call them right now at 888-793-9355. I want to thank Robert for joining us on the show today and sharing his incredibly inspirational uh, story. And I want to thank Vicki for being with us and sharing some great tips uh, for caregivers and and, uh, how those of us uh, uh, who know someone with cancer can support both the patient and the caregiver. Uh, This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Thanks so much for listening in to the show today. I'm your host, Kim Tebaldo. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.